the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Seven dead, more than 20 injured in the latest mass shooting yesterday in Odessa and Midland, Texas. This is President Trump today on his return to the White House from Camp David. Another very sick person. So I just want to thank everybody involved. And always you say, as bad as it was, it could have been worse. But it was certainly bad. Very, very sad situation. Odessa Police Chief Michael Girk says authorities have no definitive answers yet about a motive in the shooting the gunman was killed by the police. An already dangerous Hurricane Dorian intensified again today as it closed in on the northern Bahamas, threatening to batter islands with Category 5 strength winds, pounding waves, and torrential rain. It should reach the U.S. perhaps Monday night, but it may just skirt up the coast and never make landfall. This is SRN News. Dr. Sebastian Gorka is just skimming the top of a huge scandal. Obama Gate. It's not Russia Gate. It's not FISA Gate. It's not collusion. It is Obama Gate. And we only know a fraction of it. But it already is clearly the largest political scandal in our republic's history. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 2 on AM 1280. The Patriot. Intelligent Radio. The best and longest running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities is right here on The Patriot. Join Mitch Berg and Brad Carlson of the Northern Alliance Radio Network every Saturday and Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. because each week the NARN brings you the best in local, political, and conservative talk. The NARN, Saturdays and Sundays, 1 to 3, right here on The Patriot. Let's look at your Twin Cities forecast from the Great Plains Windows and Doors Weather Center. We have isolated showers today with a high of 72, and we got the Brad Carlson Show of the NARN starting right now. Rest on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast. We like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, hey, feel free to do so. Just use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N-Show for any comments or questions regarding today's show content. And as always, we thank you for tuning in. And if you're up at the north end of the fairgrounds on Machinery Hill looking for our live broadcast, well, you're not going to find us there today, unfortunately. Yeah, in case you missed it last week, uh, we are not broadcasting at the fair this year. AM 1280 The Patriot not having a presence at all at the fair this year. We certainly uh, regret that. Hopefully it's just temporary. You never know. Um, but for right now, I'm assuming that it's, uh, it, you know, our, our swan song was last year at the Minnesota State Fair. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, 2020 is a big uh, year politically, from what I heard. It's been on all the papers. Apparently, there's a presidential election year. Really? Coming Didn't up in 2020. Yeah, it's been on all hmm. the papers. But oh. uh, uh, So if that's the case, there may be a demand for us to be out there. Who's to say? But uh, uh, for now, we will enjoy being behind a Patriot microphone, wherever it may be, whether it's here in the Patriot bunker or any remote broadcasts that we may conduct. So, yeah, we're going to have some remote broadcasts uh, you know, elsewhere certainly throughout the broadcast year, so stay tuned, as they say. Well, I do want to get to uh, this uh, news story about the shooting down in Midland, Texas. Of course, uh, Michael Harrington with uh, Salem Radio Network News at the top of the hour here alluded to it, and you heard President Trump's comments about it. I didn't have a chance to really follow it. I got a breaking news alert on my phone yesterday while my wife and I were attending a wedding 
So I didn't read too many of the details. But anytime I hear about one of these, I just become absolutely crestfallen because, uh, you know, we always have that extra layer of political fighting and the victims being used as political pawns and the incident being used to politicize uh, somebody's worldview. And, and it just it adds an extra layer that the families don't need, the victims don't need, but that's where we are in, in today's society and immediate reaction on uh, social media. So I'll read from an updated Associated Press story. Uh, the death toll in a West Texas shooting rampage increased to seven today as authorities investigated why a man stopped by state troopers for failing to signal left turn opened fire on them and fled, shooting more than 20 people as he drove before being killed by officers outside a movie theater. Odessa Police spokesman Steve Lesur said that at least one person who was shot remained in life-threatening condition. Authorities say the gunman was a white male in his 30s, but police have not released a name or possible motive, which is perfectly fine because we never say the names of any mass shooters on this broken broadcast. We just don't do it. Uh, a news conference. Oh, it just refreshed on me. Maybe there's more news. Seriously, as, in the, as I was in the middle of reading this, it, it, it literally refreshed on me, this uh, article here. Now it looks like a completely different story. Really? Yeah. It seriously just refreshed on me as I was reading it. And then all now it looks like a different story. Anyways, um, police initially reported possible multiple shooters, but Odessa Police Chief Michael Gerke later said there was only one male suspect who, again, was killed by authorities. Uh, the suspect shot at, le- uh, shot at innocent civilians all over Odessa, according to statement from Odessa Police. The terrifying chain of events began when Texas state troopers tried pulling over a gold car mid-Saturday afternoon on Interstate 20 for failing to signal a left turn, Texas Department of Public Safety spokeswoman Catherine Sissinger said. Uh, Before the vehicle came to a complete stop, the driver pointed a rifle toward the rear window of his car and fired several shots toward the patrol car, stopping him. The gunshot struck one of two troopers inside the patrol car, Sissinger said, after which the gunman fled and continued shooting. Two other police officers were shot before the suspect was killed. Authorities say the trooper was in serious but stable condition on Saturday, and the other officers were stable. Uh, Gerke said there were at least 21 other shooting victims. At least two patients remain in critical condition at Odessa Regional Medical Center, while others were hospitalized elsewhere. Just a terrifying situation, and again, for something seemingly benign. Now, by just ascertaining the details here, you would suspect that there was probably something that was going to come up on his rap sheet that he did not want the officers to see. Or, or there was something in the car. Was he was he in a stolen car, perhaps? I mean, I haven't seen anything. Stolen so, gun, maybe? Uh, certainly possible. I mean, again, the details are coming out. But this is, th- this is what uh, is the problem with politicizing this. Because right away especially the gun grabbers. And I'm sorry, it is per- more pervasive on the left of center, the political lot. It is. Yeah. I don't say this because I have any right-wing bias or anything. I mean, yeah, I have right-wing bias, but I'm just coming from a from a stance of just facts. That's a fair point. Look at the uh look at the trends on social media whenever something like this has happened. Hashtag #gun control now or you know, that's usually the most pervasive uh subject out there it is it absolutely is and you know we we talked about this a couple weeks ago when the philadelphia police officers were were shot kamala harris happened to be on wolf blitzer's show on cnn it was it was literally a standoff between the gunman in his apartment and six philadelphia police officers who were shot at and it was that i mean the guy wasn't even arrested yet Mm -hmm. and there was like i say there was basically a standoff going on and Kamala Harris comes out and says, well, if we implement these gun control proposals that I've got going on, stuff like this wasn't happening. It's like, we know nothing. Mm-hmm. And Wolf Blitzer even said right at the beginning, he said, I just want to say, I just want to emphasize we are in the initial phase of this particular standoff. Not a lot of details are known about this. He was basically giving her an out saying, hey, uh, Senator Harris, it's okay if you don't demagogue this because you're probably going to sound like a complete fool when the actual details come out and you realize, oh, yeah, these gun control proposals I was going to bring forth, um, yeah, they probably wouldn't have done much to address the situation on hand. And by the way, Kamala Harris, she's been one of the more 
uh, aggressive. She's had one of the more aggressive policy stances when it comes to Second Amendment issues, saying that if Congress doesn't act within, what'd she say, 100 days or something, that she will. And it's like you read her plan for this, and it's like holy imperialistic presidency, Batman. Uh, Yeah, that's not how it works. There is still separation of powers. But, you know, like I say, uh, unfortunately, we've put way too much power in the executive branch, but that's that's another rant for another day. So... This one, we don't really know what the motive is. We don't know how this person obtained these firearms, what kind of firearms. Was he legally able to possess these firearms? Did he pass a background check? And I bring that up because they, of course, alluded to some other shootings that have uh, taken place. Uh, The investigation into another mass shooting in Texas is unfolding as a number of looser gun laws in the state took effect Sunday. Well, there you go. These looser gun laws were coming right around the bend that kind of allowed this to happen. There's, there's kind of a little underlying political bias in here in the Associated Press. Uh, they were signed by Abbott during this year's legislative session that was praised by the ding, 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 National Rifle Association, another buzzword, uh, and followed a 2017 mass shooting at a Texas church that killed more than two dozen people and a 2018 attack at a high school near Houston that left 10 dead. So, the insinuation here is clear. It's like, well, look at this. There were uh, there were a lot of looser gun laws that took effect, despite the fact there was this mass shooting at this church in 2017. I, I left more than two dozen people killed. I remember that. Well, if you're going to reference that particular incident, then you should probably, uh, I don't know, give a few details behind it. The gunman who killed these people was not allowed to own a gun, was prohibited from owning a gun, because while he was in the military, he was convicted of felony domestic abuse, which precluded him, by law, from owning a firearm. But yet he passed a background check. How did that happen? Because some government bureaucrat failed to log the incident in the database. Yet we're going to pass more laws? That are going to prevent these? If the laws on the books that are already there to prevent this kind of stuff, and yet they fail, and then some government bureaucrat fails to do the basic administration, how are more laws going to help? I, I, it's stunning. So they refer to that shooting without giving any context at all. That looser gun laws in reaction to that shooting had nothing to do, has nothing to do with it. And by the way, what stopped the shooting? A good guy with a gun. Because this guy, and boy, did this really disrupt some narratives, a former NRA instructor took his weapon and approached the gunman and fired at the gunman. Guess what happens? When you approach a gunman in the middle of a spree killing, they flee. Okay? Because this FBI statistics show if you use any kind of violence, if you throw a rock at them, okay, anything to upset the apple cart, interrupt their spree killing. Typically, in most cases, they flee. The gunman fled and ended up taking his own life because a good guy with a gun engaged him. Now, it was horrific because there were more than two dozen people that were killed. But I hate there, there absolutely could have been a lot more because there were a lot more, a lot more than 26 people in that particular church in Sutherland Springs. And, it was, and guess what else it was? It was a soft target in a gun-free zone, where law-abiding citizens saying, oh, this church says no firearms are allowed in, in, in on these premises? Well, I'm going to obey the law then. And the gunman had no interest in obeying the law, right? That Typically, lawbreakers don't really pay a lot of heed to these warning signs. So they're, they know it's a soft target. So, again, the, it's amazing when they... Do a reporting on the shooting. They'll demagogue prior incidents. But this one, it's it's irresponsible because they don't give any context to it. Okay? Why did why were two dozen people killed? Because a, there was a law in place to prevent this gunman from committing this act. He wasn't allowed to own a firearm. Okay? So how did he own a firearm? Because a government bureaucrat, again, didn't do his job, his or her job. Whoever's job it was to log this information into the database to say, and so when he goes for a background check, all of a sudden says, well, he's not allowed to own a gun because he was uh, uh, convicted of a felony domestic uh, domestic abuse. 
So, uh, once again, we know nothing about this. We're going to wait for the details to come out. And, you know, I was, I was disappointed in the president, too. You heard his quote by talking about, you know, was a, uh, you know, he always makes a lot of reference to mental health, and he says another mentally ill person. Well, I would assume that anybody who opens fire in a police officer isn't altogether there. Okay, that may be an obvious statement, but to just dismiss this as some sort of mental health issue, uh, I don't know that that's the most prudent uh, approach either. Because, again, this could have been a guy that had a rap sheet a mile long and was scared to death of being found out and decided to, you know, bust a few shots off and and, and get away. Uh, The fact that he just opened fire on a bunch of innocent civilians, okay, maybe that, again, that's a sign of someone who isn't already there, but to to just completely dismiss it or assume it's something like that, again, I, I would... I don't care who the who the politician is, even if it's one of the Democrat, the kooky Democrat politicians for president. If just one of them came out and said, you know what? It would it would be irresponsible to weigh in on this shooting because we have no idea the circumstances surrounding it as yet. So we're going to withhold comment. If anybody said that, seriously, I'd throw I'd throw right away. Even if it was a Democrat candidate for president, I'd throw 50 bucks into their campaign fund. I would. But then they would miss the opportunity to campaign their cause. That's just it. People these days, politicians are using grief as a way to promote their oh, sure. own agendas, which is extremely sad. And we've the talked about it. emails come yeah. out right away. We've talked about this on this program before. We don't have time to grief anymore because we're already moving on to the next election cycle, and we got to literally politicize everything. And, and that and that and I feel the most devastation on behalf of all the family members, first and foremost above everything else, because they lost loved ones. That supersedes everything but then to compound their pain basically pick at their open wound by demagoguing uh their loved one's death uh, it's it's disgusting and again there may be and you've seen relatives come out you know and and in the heat of the emotion say you know my spouse or my child or my whoever would be alive uh were it not uh for these uh you know if it weren't for these lax gun laws, you know, gun control now, even people like that I give a tremendous amount of grace to if they're family members because I can't fathom losing a family member to such senseless violence. So I am loath to criticize any family member to what they say, but anybody who's just using this for political purposes and uh, sends out fundraising emails, those people can go pound sand. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Something you need to know about Pete and Seth Talbot, the father-son owners. They're on a mission to help as many people as possible to get out of pain. They've been a consistent sponsor of this show. In radio, sponsors come and go. They they may even stay for a year or so, and then they're gone. Not so with Relief Factor. Pete and Seth are consistent year after year. Why? Because tens of thousands of people are now taking Relief Factor every day for their back and neck pain, shoulder pain, hip pain, knee pain, etc. And now they're in less or no pain at all. That's the truth. I'd like you to try it. Three-week quick start is just $19.95. In three weeks, you'll know if it works. How's that? Is that a great thing or what? Cancel if it doesn't work. Otherwise, it's the best $19.95 you will have spent. That's the quick start, relieffactor.com. Hey, Premier Pool and Spa's having a truckload sale. Oh, I thought I'd wait and just get a great deal at the fair, eh? You know it costs a lot of money for those guys to go to the fair, don't you? They set up at the fair, they have to work at the fair, plus they buy all that fair food all week. Hey, do they have moose on a stick? So why wouldn't it cost you extra to buy at the fair? Do you really think they get a better deal? Well, they tell me it's because they get a volume discount from the factory. Oh, that's a good one, eh? So like I said, Premier Pool and Spa's having a truckload sale, and you don't have to wait for the fair or park at the fair or hassle with the crowds at the fair. You can walk right into Premier's nice, cool showroom today and find out why a cold, wetter spa is the best deal for Minnesota. So you're telling me I don't have to wait, eh? Does a bear wear a toque in the woods? Huh? Never mind. Get a cold, wetter spa now. Visit Premier Pool in Chanhassen today, online at premierpools.com. 
Premier Pool and Spa, where we take fun seriously, eh? PremierPools.com. We can't take every last willing worker in the world who wants to work here for a dollar an hour. We have to have limits. It's a night of no-holds-barred commentary with conservative spitfire Michelle Malkin. And that just tells you how twisted the priorities of Capitol Hill are, that they think it is more important to protect 700,000 illegal aliens in this country rather than get rid of these stupid programs that are endangering American lives. Be a part of this exercise in free speech. Tuesday, September 24th at the Ames Center in Burnsville. Tickets start at just $12.80. There's also a limited number of elite VIP upgrades that will put you in the front row with a copy of Michelle's brand new book, Open Borders, Inc. Did we mention that VIPs also get meet and greet access? AM 1280, The Patriot presents An Evening with Michelle Malkin. Reserve your seats at am1280thepatriot.com. Welcome back, Cam Twelve Eighty, the Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. With me, Brad Carlson. Back with another segment on the broadcast. I'd like to call the closer. Again, check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and here to take your phone calls at six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. Regarding today's show content, as always, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, I, I was making the comment before the show that the new U.S. Congress was sworn in in early January of this year, obviously. And so it's not even eight, quite eight months old, maybe right around eight months old. And it seems like <clears throat> there have been literally multiple weeks where I've titled one of the segments Ilhan Omar's Bad Week. So I'm thinking this is just another episode of a of a brand new television series, you know, this year called Ilhan Omar's Bad Week. Oh boy, here we go again. What happened? So this is from the uh, Star Tribune, Jim Spencer and Patrick Condon. A Washington, D.C. physician alleged in divorce filings Tuesday that her husband, a national political consultant, left her after becoming romantically involved with U.S. Rep. Ilhan Omar, a client of his fundraising business. In an interview, Omar denied that she is separated or dating outside her marriage. I have no interest in really allowing the conversation about my personal life to continue, she told WCCO-TV. Uh, cutting off further inquiry. Now, that WCCO TV interview was that the interview that uh, where Esme Murphy was painting her toenail? I mean, um, conducting the interview with her, basically saying, "How are you able to?" Yeah, this was yeah, this was the Esme Murphy um, interview. How are you able to endure? How are you able to stay so strong with all these uh, inquiries into your personal life? So. Well, to Asme's credit, I shouldn't be so hard on her. She did actually ask direct questions. You know, are yeah. you romantically involved outside your marriage? And, and, and to Omar's credit, too, I'm sure uh, sure there's some stuff that she should address with people, but I'm sure she also gets a ton of crap from a ton of different people about stuff that doesn't even matter either. Well, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and pretend. You know, it's a lot of the critics of Ilhan Omar, you know, there, there are a lot of— a lot of criticisms that should be levied to her. I mean, first and foremost, above everything else, her virulent, her virulent anti-Semitism when in her district is St. Louis Park, which contains a significant Jewish population in the Twin Cities. I don't know if statistically it's the largest Jewish population, but it's certainly a significant one. No question about it. And I've, I've said this before. It's really turned into a bizarre world when uh, Senator uh, Dem- DFL Senator Ron Latz and uh, DFL House member Ryan Winkler put out tweets that I agree with. That's when I know it's a bizarre world mm-hmm. uh, when uh, when it comes to Ilhan Omar. But anyways, I'll read for, continue to read from the Star Tribune story. Uh, Omar avoided questions at a Tuesday night forum in Minneapolis, and his spokesman declined a Star Tribune request for comment. The freshman Democratic congresswoman has been legally married since last year to her longtime romantic companion, Ahmed Hirsi, the father of her three children in Minneapolis. It's the latest in a string of controversies facing the former one-term state legislator who catapulted to national political fame after her groundbreaking 2018 election. Groundbreaking? 
Uh, if a wind-up set of chattering teeth runs as a DFL or in CD5, boom, they get 60% of the vote right off the top of the bat. I don't know how that's groundbreaking. Other than the fact, okay, she was the first, she and Rashida Tlaib were the first female Muslim members of Congress. Okay, yeah, that's undeniably a, yeah, that's, that's, that's historic. Yeah. yeah, But groundbreaking, whatever. Depends on who you ask. I guess. Omar's office told the Star Tribune in June that she has faced many false accusations about her personal life, including the claim that she once married her brother, and that continuing to answer them was not only demeaning to Ilhan, but to her entire family. The Somali-born congresswoman has emerged as a controversial figure in her first term in Congress because of her feud with President Donald Trump and her outspoken criticism of the Israeli government's treatment of Palestinians or the fact that she doesn't believe Israel should exist. That, that, that might have be a, a thorny one for, uh, for those who uh, consider Israel an ally. Uh, she has been accused of anti-Semitism, of which there's much evidence to back that up, <laughs> a charge she denies. But the divorce, first disclosed by the New York Post, is likely to open Omar to renewed scrutiny about her personal and marital life, already the subject of intense interest in the tabloid press from New York to London. I'm sorry, in this political climate, given that our a sitting president of the United States essentially, I'm sorry, allegedly paid off a porn star to keep an affair quiet. Are we are we really going to clutch our pearls over this? I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll admit to you, I don't have time for any of that garbage. You know, I, I'm, I'm disgusted by the fact that, that a sitting president carried on a, and uh, a, an extramarital affair with a porn star. It is disgusting just as anybody who would stray away from their marriage, whatever, okay? But I, I'll admit, Elon Omar's policy stances and are issues like 1 through 100 for me before we even get to the personal aspect of it. Now, where, where, where it starts to really cloud the issue is there was a report where she met with this... Uh, this member of this uh, lobbying firm, uh, Tim Minette. Uh, and again, it was his wife, Beth Minette, who came out and said, you know, my husband is leaving me, divorcing me because of his affair with Ilhan Omar. And they, they're after um, Ilhan Omar, one of her, I think it was her uh, controversial statement. I forget which controversial statement it was. Anyway, she was seen with this Dr. Minette in Los Angeles, you know, in a meeting. And it was shown that some travel expenses were paid to Dr. Minette's firm, okay, which by definition aren't illegal if, you, if you're using a cons- political consulting firm, okay, to, to use your uh, campaign uh, fundraising dollars for these expenses, I don't think are illegal. But if it crosses the line to where you're flying your lover to Los Angeles to meet with him, you know, in secret— uh, yeah, that would be an FEC violation, okay? And not to mention that is anybody gonna looking into the fact that she claimed on her tax returns someone who was not her husband? You know, her current husband, who she just married in 2018, she claimed on her tax returns in 2014 and 2015, claimed Ahmed uh, Hersey as her spouse, okay, even though he wasn't. She was legally married to someone else. But the problem was, well, uh, Hersey, you know, Ahmed, we were married under our faith. Well, that's not how the law works. The law works is who are you, mar- who are you married to, rec- who's the marriage re- that is recognized by the state, by the government. Okay, That's the marriage that you can claim on your tax returns, not someone who's married in your faith. So to me, that would be some sort of tax fraud. And And are we playing the game that ignorance of the law doesn't necessarily mean breaking the law? Does she get some sort of pass for that or some sort of leniency for that? I don't know. I seriously don't know the answer to any of these questions. But this idea that there is no substance to some of these allegations that are raised uh, is just complete fantasy. We wouldn't be talking about this if there weren't something fishy going on, right? I'm I'm not accusing her of any particular thing, but something fishy is going on. I'll just finish uh, the story with this uh, um, from the start. Again, this is from the Star Tribune story. It remains unclear whether any of the lingering questions surrounding Omar's personal life could become a political liability. Hamlin University political scientist David Schultz noted that her overwhelmingly liberal Democratic district in Minneapolis is unlikely to punish her at the polls in the absence of any accompanying accusations of fraud 
or wrongdoing. Quote, I think she can dismiss it because her constituents aren't demanding accountability on this issue. Close quote. Tells you everything you need to know right there. Unless there is some actual running afoul of the law that will require jail time, she's going to have the seat as long as she wants it. I think that says it right there in a nutshell. Her constituents aren't going to demand accountability. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. It's happening to you every night. One snores and the other can't sleep. But now there is a quick and easy to use solution, a natural solution. Snore Stop, the number one selling anti-snoring medicine in the U.S. Thank you, Snore Stop. You saved my marriage. It's time to try Snore Stop and make every night a better night for both of you. Spray or tablets are available today at Rite Aid and CVS or online at snorestop.com. Giving your computer problems with boots. Arby's Computer Service. When you want your computer fixed right the first time, Arby's is the place. Hi, this is Randy from Arby's Computer Service. Why is it that your cell phone is replaced every two to three years with no thought about cost, but when it comes to your computer in your office, you try and hold out five to six years or longer to do the same? Arby's Computer service what is that loss in productivity doing to your bottom line do you know that we can sell you a brand new commercial computer that is super fast for less than the cost of your new iphone or android phone why are you waiting call us today we can be reached at 763-441-3884 that's 763-441-3884 or on the web at rbsmn.com giving your computer problems the boots arby's computer service Did you know you were kicking in your mommy's tummy before you were born? We were? Yep. I just learned at school that babies move and kick before they're even born. No, no wonder we're so good at soccer. That's right, kids. A pre-born baby is moving about and even kicking just 14 weeks from conception. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of information and alternatives to abortion, or you'd like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, Please call 1-800-366-7773, 1-800-366-7773, or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. You'll find me out here every Sunday since I turned my garage into the Purple Palace. Went to Closet and Storage Concepts, told them exactly what shade of purple I wanted, where to put the 65-inch LED, and they designed my custom kingdom. Then gave me the plans, won all-inclusive price, and all the time I needed to make a decision, which was about 30 seconds in my case, but still I appreciated the low pressure. Visit ClosetAndStorageConcepts.com to see how they can turn your garage into your personal sports bar. Oh, Widow Erin got sacked. <laughs> Falling asleep at the wheel again. Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriots. Northern Alliance Radio Network. It is me, Brad Carlson. The closer closing out weekends on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. You can catch my friend and colleague King Banyan at our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. It's the King Banyan Show Saturdays, 9 to 11 a.m. And my friend and colleague Mitch Berg on these very airwaves, AM 1280 The Patriot, Saturdays 1 to 3 p.m. He is the headliner edition of the NARN. I am the closer, closing out weekends, as I said, from 1 to 3 p.m. on Sundays. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in and here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. Also, feel free to weigh in via Twitter again, hashtag NARN Show, hashtag NARN Show. I find myself a lot of times uh, telling people to, to use Twitter. And then I kind of not paying attention to it. So let's see. Okay, I think I'm good. Okay, I don't have any tweets to catch up upon. So sometimes uh, listeners will engage, and it's like, it would help if I engage them back. I'm yeah, you saying. lucked out this time, Carlson. I did good. I did good, yeah. I, okay, I think we're good. 
All right. So uh, another big story that has uh, that is going on locally, and it's something we talked to uh, Minnesota State Senator Jim Abler about a few weeks ago. Just the utter chaos, ineptitude, uh, waste, fraud, abuse, whatever is going on at the Minnesota Department of Human Services. Uh, this again, the Department of Human Services by far is the largest recipient of taxpayer dollars when it comes to the state budget. And they have areas within the Department of Human Services that are bigger than entire state agencies of government. And this is just one section within the DHS. So we talked at great length about all the chaos that was been going on for the past couple months. You've had uh, Commissioner Tony Lurie, uh, resign after two of his deputy commissioners resigned, and then the two deputy commissioners unresigned, and then one deputy commissioner that unresigned, Claire Wilson, re-resigned. Do you follow all that? I think I, I I'm not sure I follow all that myself. Yeah, no, I I, I lost track. Yeah, and so uh, we there was in fact this past week there was another uh, uh, deputy commissioner, another high up official in the Department of Human Services that resigned, too. So there's been this leadership vacuum. And uh, Interim Commissioner Pam Wheelock last month was on the other end of a Senate hearing where she was being grilled about what's going on at the DHS. And it was very obvious she was just trying to run out the clock because the new newly appointed DHS commissioner was slated to take over in a matter of a days after that hearing. And so Pam Wheelock just... Uh, it was obvious these questions that they were direct questions, yes or no questions, questions that were asked about a finite amount of money, whatever. She would completely just obfuscate and this misdirection, and you never got any direct answers. So uh, and this was t- and this was talking about the biggest one of the bigger issues was that there was twenty five million dollars uh, in state Medicaid overpayments made to two different tribes in an, in an effort to help combat uh, opioid abuse and, and as well as help with mental health treatments. And these two tribes, to their credit, reached out to the DHS and say, you know, this doesn't look right. Are you sure this is what we're supposed to be receiving? And the DHS officials say, yeah, it's all good. You know, this is, this is the money you should be receiving. This is what you have rights to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then it was later ascertained that it was overpaid by about $25 million. Now, uh, I'm going to guess that these two Indian tribes don't have just $25 million laying around. So how are they going to pay that back? Because all of a sudden the federal government is saying, we need that money back. We need these overpayment, these erroneous overpayments paid back. And Michelle Benson, Senator Michelle Benson, asked a very pointed question, who's going to pay back the feds? And, of course, Deputy Com- uh, in- Interim Commissioner Wheelock, again, with the normal misdirection, obfuscation, didn't give a direct answer, and... Senator Benson, to her credit, gave her a fair warning, says, I think you better think long and hard if if you believe that the DHS should come to the legislature with a hat in hand demanding money to kind of help out with this with these erroneous billings. Because it's not going to happen, nor should it happen. Okay? With the tremendous with the tremendous amount of money you're you're getting from the state budget, I'm thinking this is an internal problem you need to take care of. I bring all this up to say that apparently it didn't end there. This is from uh, Tim Pugmire in the Associated Press, uh, linked at the at an NPR news story. The Minnesota Department of Human Services says it must repay the federal government an estimated $48 million that it paid to ineligible chemical dependency treatment providers. Back in May, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services ordered the state to cease the payments to as many as 100 inpatient providers classified as institutions for mental diseases. It said Medicaid money generally can't be used for treatment in such facilities. It ordered repayment but didn't specify a dollar amount. Following the Human Services Department's announcement, two Republican state lawmakers called on DFL Governor Tim Walz to launch an independent audit of the department. Representatives Deb Keel of Crookston and Nick Zerwas of Elk River sent a letter to Walls Tuesday requesting the audit. Zerwas said neither the administration nor House DFL leaders have given the issue enough attention. A third-party audit would be a good way to really get to the bottom of what's going on and understand the scope of the problem within the department, said Zerwas. 
On Monday, the DHS said the estimated cost to the state will be $48 million. Now, that's on top of the $25 million the agency overpaid to two tribes for substance abuse treatment under Medicaid. Altogether, the St. Paul Pioneer Press reports the errors will cost the state $73 million. Governor Walz said last week that he's counting on his new DHS commissioner, Jody Harpstead, to take corrective steps when she begins leading the agency next month. Oh, good luck, Ms. Harpstead. That's all that's all I gotta say. You know what? Okay. She's the new head of the DHS. I'm I'm a you know, I'm a taxpayer and I'm outraged by this, obviously. I'm I'm willing to give Ms. Harpstead an opportunity to to go in there and and clean house. But I gotta be honest, I'm skeptical. Because given the timeline of the resignations that took place think back in May, June timeframe of the two deputy commissioners, it seemed, and this was ascertained by the hearings, if you listen closely to these hearings, which were scheduled to be for two hours, but were three and a half hours because of uh, interim commissioner Wheelock, just with her constant word salad to direct questions, it was ascertained that Commissioner Lurie, who, by the way, said this was his dream job only to resign six months later, say, ah, I guess this wasn't the right job for me. Really? You gave up a valuable Senate seat and allowed the Republicans to gain, to steal that Senate seat in a special election uh, and only to find out that, well, it wasn't the dream job. I thought it was. Uh, I'm skeptical of that. But it was ascertained that Tony Lurie wanted to go in and overhaul that department because it had been beset by issues. Obviously, we remember the child care assistance program where there was it was determined about $100 million worth of fraud that had gone through there. Okay, Has that even, ever been resolved? dumb question of course it hasn't this is government we're talking about so apparently tony laurie wanted to go in and put and to his credit put in some massive reforms massive overhauls of this department and these deputy commissioners uh, claire wilson and uh, i forget the other uh, the gentleman's name who resigned they they said you know what they, they apparently resigned in frustration because all of a sudden, there was going to be accountability. Paris thought accountability in a government uh, agency. Uh, that's just crazy talk. So they resigned, and then Commissioner Lurie, obviously frust- probably frustrated with this process, just kind of threw up his hands and said, I'm out of here. Now, again, this is all speculation, but if you listen to the hearings that took place, you could glean from these questions that were asked and the evasiveness of Interim Commissioner Wheelock that this was probably the, the issue. You know, because Interim Commissioner Wheelock's like, well, you know, we know that uh, Commissioner Lurie, former, now former Commissioner Lurie, he was a colleague of yours in the Senate, so we know that there may be some personal biases, da-da-da-da. It's like, what? That has nothing to do with it. We're, we need to get to, bo- to the bottom of why this department is beset with such issues. You know, ignore all that. But she didn't. So... Then these deputy commissioners, once Lurie stepped down, these deputy commissioners said, oh, Lurie's gone. Well, OK, then we'll, we'll we'll come back. And then and then Claire Wilson decided to rescind the rescission of her resignation uh, is, is the best way that I can follow. Yeah, it's it just it's just unbelievable. So I, w- I, I I'll say that the next legislative session is scheduled to begin, you know, obviously early next year, January, February time frame. Don't know the exact time frame. It's a non-budget year, so typically it's a little later, probably around February. So you've got maybe three and a half month session, okay? And you know that the DFL is going to continue, particularly Governor Walls, because it's an election year, and they insist that they flip the the Minnesota House in 2018 because of gun control, and because 90 percent of people support background check or support these uh, not background checks, but these um, uh, well, they call it a background check law, even though they conveniently leave out that they want to also uh, enact background checks on transfers as well as charge fees for transfers of firearms. And these red flag laws, they insist there's 90% support for these two gun control bills that they wouldn't even put up for a straight, they wouldn't even put up for a vote in the House. If there's 90% support for two gun control bills and you have the majority, in the Minnesota House, why would you not put those up for a vote? I think you know the answer to that. The point is, is like before you address any of that stuff, gun control, which you know probably isn't going to pass on its merits anyhow, 
and whatever, and obviously light rail, public transportation, you know, what other goodies that the DFL wants to have, the gas tax increase, you know, that was, they wanted a 20 cents per gallon tax, gas tax increase. That ended up falling apart when they finally uh, agreed to a budget. Before you address any of that, this absolutely needs to be addressed. Absolutely. And I think we as taxpayers, as citizens, voters, should demand nothing less than 100% transparency because I'm sorry, we're not, we're not getting it. We're, we're, we're not, we're absolutely not getting it. So if you, again, want, if you think that ignoring this issue, putting in the background, or as Governor Walls says, well, I don't do drama. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, you don't get to decide that, Governor Walls. It's uh, I'm, to kind of steal a line from the American president. Uh, the American people have a funny way of, uh, of determining what is and what is not their business. Yeah, uh, when they hear of the just mind-boggling dollars that are being wasted here, and again, $73 million in a department that has like a $17 billion budget. Okay, in the grand scope of things, it may seem like a rounding error, but $73 million is $73 million. That's a lot of money to, to anybody. I don't care who you are. Okay, that, that adds up. And this idea that it's just being wasted, and if they have the audacity to go to the legislature and try to get some sort of bailout in order to, to, to fix this problem, um, that is a very, very much a winning issue for for conservatives because all you have to do is read of all of the stories related to the Department of Human Services over the last couple of months, and no conservative could parody big government that well. I mean, conservatives are accused of of being drama queens and uh, of when, when talking about government waste and fraud and how government is inefficient and whatnot. All you have to do is share news stories of what's gone on in the DHS, and there isn't any better campaign literature for conservatives than that. So just, uh, what a quagmire. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with one final segment this hour. Go nowhere. AM 1280, The Patriot. Social Security is with you through life's journey. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there as you grow, protecting you and those you love. We are there when you get your first job, helping you to save for the future. We are there when you marry your sweetheart to help secure your new life together. We are there if the unexpected happens, to help you see life from a new perspective. We are there when you start your next chapter to make sure you get off to a great start. And we are there when you lose your soulmate to help make sure you will be all right. We are with you through life's journey. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us and see what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Smith Cal. Staff Sergeant I'm Alex Staff Stewart. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I'm proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I'm proud to be a member. And of I'm the, proud to serve in the United and States. And I am Air proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. You went on to say, uh, what, what punishments of God are not gifts? Do you really believe that? Yes. 
That was a question from CNN's Anderson Cooper and an answer by late-night talk show host Stephen Colbert during a most pleasantly shocking interview. CNN anchors and network TV comedy personalities are not exactly known for their thoughtful treatment of Christianity, but that's exactly what Colbert and Cooper provided. Colbert conveyed his understanding of the communal nature of suffering and how it prepares us to better empathize with and provide ministry to others when they experience loss. He also acknowledged our existence as a gift from God and that suffering is part of that gift. One is tempted to push him on the sanctity of life from conception to natural death, given his affirmation, but I'm happy to go slow here. As William F. Buckley instructed, we have to leave room for people to come over to our side. And to paraphrase Tom Bodette, we'll leave the light on for Stephen Colbert. I'm Dan Prof. Sponsored by ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom. Welcome back, Am 20 the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. One final segment this hour. And then we're going to get some football talk in the 2 o'clock hour, as promised. Yes. Uh, I'm very excited. Did our caller disappear? I uh, just had a couple comments on DHS. He didn't want to come on air with us. Oh, okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, yeah, the DHS story, um, that's uh, definitely one to uh, keep our eyes upon, and uh, we'll certainly keep it updated as uh as things come about uh i do want to get to this uh, particular story and i have a i had a lot of fun seeing some uh lefty journalists pardon the redundancy have a complete snit fit over the fact that their own tactics were used against them and uh our friend and colleague mitch berg the only thing i don't like about uh, mitch berg's seventh law of liberal projection is i didn't come up with it myself it's just brilliant and it's validated constantly and I'm paraphrasing here, but it basically says when it, whenever a leftist uh, con- condemns a conservative's ethics, liberty, or love for country, they are at best projecting and at worst drawing attention away from their own misdeeds. And this uh, is in light of some allies of the Trump administration plowing through some old tweets of Democrats or uh, leftist journalists and using them against them, because this is what the leftists have done. I'll read from a story uh, from The Federalist by Madeleine Osborne. After years of doxing innocent Americans for their political views, mainstream media journalists are now upset that their own racist and anti-Semitic tweets have been compiled by conservative allies of President Trump. Last week, a New York Times editor, Tom Wright Persanti, was demoted after 10-year-old tweets mocking Jews and American Indians resurfaced and were widely covered by conservative outlets. On Sunday, the New York Times reported that Wright Persanti's archived social media posts were part of the White House's aggressive operation to discredit news organizations. Well, you know what? These are the rules you set. Take your medicine. Welcome to the hell you created, because you're basically... And, and this wasn't this wasn't even used against people of the Trump administration. Forget the Trump administration. Look at some of these professional athletes like Josh Hader, all-star pitcher with the Brewers, or uh, Josh Allen, who was a top draft pick uh, quarterback, dra- top draft pick with the Buffalo Bills, or Kyler Murray, the number one overall draft pick for the Arizona Cardinals last year. They all had their old tweets dug up from when they were teenagers saying idiotic things that teenagers are want to say. And yet, this is supposed to somehow undermine their character. Well, Josh Hader, this literally while he was pitching in the All-Star game, had tweets of his as a teenager pulled up and blasted out there for everyone to see. And they were shocking statements, tweets, you know, uh, with uh, very vulgar language. When he was a 17-year-old, yet somehow when he was 24, that's supposed to undermine who he is as a person now? That's somehow reflective as a person as he is now? So, again, welcome to the hell you created, folks. Uh, the Times report decried this tactic, arguing that targeting individuals ex- is acceptable when journalists do it to other people, but not when other people do it to them. But using journalistic techniques to target journalists and news organizations as retribution for or as a warming not to pursue coverage critical of the president is fundamentally different from the well-established role of the news media in scrutinizing people in positions of power, wrote reporters Jeremy Peters and Kenneth Vogel. The New York Times publisher A.G. Salzberger said in a statement to the paper of record staff that such tactics were taking the president's campaign against a free press 
to a new level. The goal of this campaign is clearly to intimidate journalists from doing their job, which includes serving as a check on power and exposing wrongdoing when it occurs. The Times will not be intimidated or silenced. Salzberger's concern over the intimidation of journalists fails to address and even excuse the racist and anti-Semitic tweets of his own staff, but also fails to acknowledge the mainstream media's aggressive history of intimidating private individuals because they support the president or hold conservative political views. So, yeah, I've got a big, I've got a uh, little t- uh, tiny violin for some of these journalists who's ha- having these tactics done against them. Look, I'll, I'll hold them to the same standard I hold to these athletes. I don't think things that they said as teenagers should necessarily reflect the person who they are now and probably don't reflect the person they are. Should now. they be held accountable? Absolutely. Should they be, well, should they lose their livelihoods? I, I don't know about that. I guess it would. Depend. But held accountable how? I mean, how are we holding them accountable? Just by pointing out, hey, you were an idiot when you were a kid. Let's move on. I, I don't understand Maybe. what purpose that serves. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you either. Yeah. So my, my thing is, look, I don't know. But if this is the standard you set where you say these comments by these private individuals, okay, are suddenly problematic, then are you going to hold yourself to the same standard? Now again, I don't I've I've said on this show many times that I don't care for the president's rhetoric toward the press. You know, this because he just chides them as fake news for reporting stories on him that he doesn't like. Okay. It may be true the stories that are reported on him. In fact, quite often the stories reported on the president which show his his administration in an unfavorable light are true. So it just turns out to be petulant and childish when he decries it as fake news. Well, let him Okay, because I think that reflects more poorly on Trump than anybody else. You see, this is what I never understood about the press is how they they're they're so hell bent on embarrassing Trump that sometimes they step on proverbial rakes. It's like all you got to do is just play any of his press conferences or blast any of his tweets out there without comment. And And he does his damage to himself. But yet these journalists consist they insist on outflanking Trump. And looking like complete idiots. It it just doesn't make any sense to me. But again, this is the rules they've set. And if they're going to set these kind of rules, these kind of standards, then they better be willing to live up to them, up to them themselves, or they're going to be exposed as the frauds that, well, we know they are. Ladies and gentlemen, hour number one in the books, hour number two coming back in mere moments right here. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance, Radio Network, back in a few. Closing time. Something you need to know about Pete and Seth Talbot, the father-son owners. They're on a mission to help as many people as possible to get out of pain. They've been a consistent sponsor of this show. In radio, sponsors come and go. They, They may even stay for a year or so. And then they're gone. Not so with Relief Factor. Pete and Seth are consistent year after year. Why? Because tens of thousands of people are now taking Relief Factor every day for their back and neck pain, shoulder pain, hip pain, knee pain, etc. And now they're in less or no pain at all. That's the truth. I'd like you to try it. Three-week quick start is just $19.95. In three weeks, you'll know if it works. How's that? Is that a great thing or what? Cancel if it doesn't work. Otherwise, it's the best nineteen ninety five you will have spent. That's the quick start, relieffactor.com. We have reached the age where things just cost more. Cars, mm-hmm. phones, mm-hmm. life insurance. Your blood pressure is up. <laughs> Your weight is up. <laughs> You're one to talk. I have type 2 diabetes, so I'm getting ding just like you. Thank goodness for Big Lou. Big Lou! Big Lou can get term life insurance rates for a 50-year-old male with type 2 diabetes or high blood pressure, or maybe he's on anxiety meds mm-hmm. for just around $200 a month for a million dollars of coverage. Oh, you got to say that again. Go ahead. Okay, I'll say it. Big Lou and term provider could get a 50-year-old man, a little dinged up, a uh-huh. million dollars in life insurance for around $200 a month. Call Big Lou. Big Lou. He's like you. 800-555-2085. That's 800-555-2085. Don't put it off. If you're overweight, diabetic, have high blood pressure, you gotta call Big Lou. Gotta. 800-555-2085. Write it down. 800-555-2085. Are you a member of our rewards program? 
Yeah, I had the card here somewhere. We've all been there, rustling around for a rewards card you can't seem to find. At AM 1280 The Patriot, we've simplified the process. All the perks, none of the hassle. It's the Freedom Fan Club, where you'll get early access to tickets, exclusive content, prizes, and more. Sign up at am1280thepatriot.com. Get that Rack Shack Attack, Rack Shack Barbecue. To do you right, we take time for a barbecue flavor that will blow your mind. Get that Rack Shack Attack, oh, Rack Shack Barbecue. Make fresh daily cater to you. Homemade sauces, secret rubs too. It's America's food and the right thing to do. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.